All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue our study a little bit on the local church and the, the reasons you would want to be involved and, and faithful in the local church. God reaches people through His Word, through His Spirit, and through a local church that does its job. God strengthens and stabilizes Christians through His Word, through the Spirit of God, and through a church that does its job. It really is. Uh, you ask, you know, why does God want the church to strengthen Christians and saints or to reach the world? And the answer is yes, <laughs> both. Uh, strong saints who are in love with the Lord, who are involved with the Word of God, they are sense of the Spirit of God, and they're, they're participating in the work of God, they will get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And uh, the church is not for unsaved people uh, originally. It is the, it's a tool that God used to get the gospel to unsaved people. And some churches have taken on a philosophy that we want to make sure our church is, is, um, is like the world to win the world. And they've, they've changed their music, they've changed their, their atmosphere so as to make the world comfortable in the church. And that is not God's plan. <laughs> uh, there's one thing that ought to draw an unsaved person to the house of God, and that's the love of God and truth. And uh, that's one thing all of us have a responsibility to exercise love and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. God will help you. Uh, I was uh, talking to someone the other day and they were telling me about how God brought them to church. And one thing they couldn't get over is that people cared about them. And uh, he said, it just, it just people came up and saw me. They, they greeted me and I, they must have known. I don't know if I had a, a sign on my back that said I'm a visitor or what, but people contacted me. They, they, they were gracious with me. They took note of my name. They cared about me. And after being here several weeks, I knew that it wasn't just the word of God I was hearing. It was the love of God I was feeling that really drew my heart to the Lord. And I think that's a great thing. So we're going to continue talking about that. But let's look real quick at Ephesians chapter number 4. And let's, let's launch here, and then we'll come back and do a little review in just a moment on the screens. Verse number um, 10 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, the Bible says, He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Who do you think that person is? It's Jesus, yeah. He descended, and he ascended, and he fills all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. And these are the five gifts that God gave the church. Let's continue on, and we'll see the reason why. I'll make a couple comments. Verse number 12, for the, for the perfecting of the saints, this is why God gave you Sunday school teachers, teachers, pastors, evangelists, for the perfecting of the saints. That means perfect doesn't mean someone without sin. It means someone who's mature for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Every member ought to be a minister. They ought to have a work to do, something they're doing with the Lord. For the edifying of the body of Christ. When, when a pastor, when an evangelist, when a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, when someone does their job, the byproduct is people are mature. People are mature, do things around the house. When you're a baby, you don't expect the baby to wash the dishes or pick up their clothes or make their bed. But as they get older, you expect them to do that. You expect them to take the trash out. You expect them to mow the lawn. You expect them to shovel snow. But you don't expect little babies to. But as, as people mature, they have a job to do. They have responsibilities. And then the whole house is edified and the work is prospered. So that is exactly what the Bible says. Is why God gave us uh, these 
the sources. Now, the first two he gives us, I do not believe, are still continuing today. And that is apostles and prophets. Uh, I do think that people do have, uh, uh, do have the gift of uh, prophecy in, 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 in Romans chapter 12, which is another day, another time, but it's not to give forth a new revelation. One thing we believe the Bible teaches is that God is done talking. He said all that he needs to say within the pages of his word and everything he'll say will be in accordance to his word through his Holy Spirit to you and I. He still promises the Holy Spirit inside of us. He promised me to witness to someone, to give to someone something, to meet their need, to help them, to pray for them, to intercede on their behalf. All those things are Holy Spirit prompted. But in the early days before the Bible was canonized and the scriptures came to, to fruition, in A.D. 90, whenever, whenever John wrote the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. And shortly after that, God began to compile the Scriptures. Uh, then, but before, prior to that, people did not have, they couldn't go to a Wednesday night service in Antioch or over in, in Ephesus or Thessalonica and say, let's everyone take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians, because there wasn't an Ephesians canonized yet. So in the early days, the church, the Bible, Paul uses like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. He said, when we were a child, we spake as a child. We understood as a child. But when we become a man, we put away childish things. He's talking about prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. So what they do in the early church, of course, they had the Old Testament, but uh, for, for revelation that God wanted to do, I, he, he laid on the heart First of all, the apostles, that's the first foundational thing, those people who had been with Jesus. So those guys had heard from Jesus directly, and Paul was an apostle born out of due time. You'll see when he says in the scriptures, he said, I'm going to tell you this, not the Lord. This I got rightly from directly from Jesus. However, this is my perspective for you for this situation, the church at Corinth. He would use that. But uh, the apostles are people that spent time with Jesus, and he taught them. He spent them three and a half years instructing them. So whenever he went back to heaven, they shared what he had told them to people. And I no doubt think that sometimes they got in a church service, and one of them would say, I know the Lord wants you to know this. Husbands, love your wife. Be not bitter against them. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He would tell them those things. He would tell them, be kind one another, tenderhearted. Now, the Bible wasn't put into, into play yet, as far as the New Testament was not. But in that time, there were apostles. They were the first level of, of the foundation, Jesus being the cornerstone. He's the, and we can see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20. Let's look at it real quickly. I think it might help you. You're already in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at chapter 2, if you would, please. And uh, the Bible talks about, uh, in verse number 18, now through him, we both have access to one spirit, but to the Father, and that's Jesus. Now, therefore, verse number 19, ye are no more strangers and, and, uh, and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints in the household of God. And verse number 20, and are built upon the foundation of who? Apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the who? Yeah, and then it says, in whom all the buildings fitly framed together groweth up into, the, into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you're also building together as a habitation of God through His Spirit. So the Bible tells us there that when Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my, my church, He's talking about Him. He's the, he's the cornerstone that was rejected, but He's the foundation. 
Everything is about Jesus. He, you don't have Jesus, you don't have, a, you don't have a solid life, okay? You don't have a right kind of church. Then the next people, when Jesus went back to heaven, were the apostles. That's the next, uh, that's the next found, uh, you know, uh, um, cinder blocks that come there is, is, the, is the apostles. And then prophets. Those are people who were given special revelation prior to the scriptures being completed. And they would get up, and oftentimes in a church service, someone would say, I have, I have a word from God. And he would, and, and the people would say, okay, well, we need Brother so-and-so's got a word from God. He's, a, he's, he's got a prophecy. That means he's going to get forth what God said. So that fellow may stand up, and they say, well, Brother so-and-so's got a word from God. And he would stand up. Well, he would give the word from God. And then there would be someone else that would have a gift of knowledge or discernment. And they would, look, they would hear what he said, and then they would look to another person who had the gift of discernment, and he would say, that's from God. But occasionally, because it was a public gift, some people wanted the attention of being able to be able to say something. Occasionally, we have people here that sometimes will say, hey, when can you let me preach, Pastor? Or when you, know, when you, when you let me share something? I want to share something with everybody. And, and, it's, and it's, sometimes it may be provoked by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they're provoked by pride <laughs> and an opportunity to be out in front and do something. But nonetheless, in that time, sometimes people do, and they would say, you know what? God told me to tell the church that we need to get ready for his coming in. We probably ought to sell our stuff and give it to the poor or, you know, something like that. And then they would, they would hear someone say something and look over there, and the guy would say, ah, <laughs> false prophet, not from God. That's not true. And they would, they would clarify those things. But, but in the early church, they needed that because it was young. It was, it was a child that spake, the child understood, the child didn't have the full scriptures. So they would get what God gave them at each service. And it was built upon Jesus, the apostles, and then the prophets. But then when that which is perfect or mature or complete was come, that's the scriptures, then those things which are in part will be done away. And now we, now, as he said, now, but when, he, when Paul was writing, he says, now we see through a glass darkly. We only get a little bit what's going on here because we hear it from this with this. But one day, uh, we'll, we'll see completely what the Bible says. Now we can read. When you grow up, you can read, and you can be able to see it for yourself. He said, now we see through the last time, but one day face to face, and that's, that, can be, that can be applied to many different things. A lot of things in life we see through a glass darkly today. But in context, it's probably saying, you know, now we're getting bits and pieces because we're we, the Bible has not come to fruition yet. But when the, when the scriptures come, then that which is perfect has come. Then those things which are in part should be in the way. Now, one of the things that many folks still believe in is they still believe that God is giving extra revelation outside the Bible. And they give prophecies in the church. Occasionally, I've had people set up a point with me and say, Pastor, I want to speak a word of prophecy over you. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that here's what you're going to do and here's what's going to happen. And I'm never comfortable with that. I've had people come to my office over my 23 years of being a pastor and said, man, I like the way you preach, and man, you make it clear, but if you could get the gift of the Spirit and begin speaking in tongues, you would really, you'd be on another level, Pastor. And I want to just pray over you that you'll get this gift of the Spirit. Well, I don't need the gift of the Spirit of tongues because that was, that was for a time before we had the Scriptures. And it was always, uh, when the tongues are mentioned in the Bible, Jewish people were present. Either they were speaking in tongues or uh, they, were, they, were, they were hearing it in tongues, and that was a sign. He said the Jews required a sign. 
Most of us, we don't need a sign. We just need to hear the gospel. That's it. But the Jews have been waiting for decades and centuries for the coming Messiah. Matter of fact, you might remember Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Jew of Jews. He, was a, he, he, he memorized much of the, of the Torah, not all of it. He fasted every day or every week, and he went to church every day, and he gave to the poor and all these things. And he came to Jesus at night and said to him, we know that you're a teacher come from who? God. Why? Because no man can do these miracles. And the Jewish man, Jewish ladies, they needed a sign. And, and oftentimes tongue was one of those sign gifts. And of course, the church took it to another level. And, and of course, much of the things we understand about tongues and how that they, uh, uh, they had four rules. When the Apostle Paul, whenever tongues was allowed in the Bible and was it, during that, that, that time frame, but churches were abusing it. And even today, people said, if you abuse the gift of tongues and you don't do it the way God wants you to do it, people are going to go into, into your assembly and think you're nuts. You're crazy. This is uncomfortable. I had a man tell me that just the other day. He said, it, it, he said I, I, whenever I was looking for help and looking for, for Christ, I meandered a couple charismatic churches and it scared me to death. It's like, I, if that's what Christianity, I don't want that. And so I was so glad to go into a church. I think it was the Cleveland Baptist Church. This particular man was telling me under Roy Thompson, it's so good to get into a church. And, and then all of a sudden I heard the preacher preach, and I thought, oh, oh, this is just, this is, I, can, I can handle this. This is just what the Bible says. And you see that happen. And there were four rules given in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, Paul said, look, everybody's going to church, and everybody wants to give a prophecy. Everybody wants to give a tongue. Everybody wants to have those, those high gifts. He said, what you need to do is have the more perfect gift, a, 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 a more perfect gift, and that is what? Love. And he used a whole chapter talking about love. In chapter 13, chapter 14, he gave the rules for tongues. He said, number one, he said, if you do tongues, it needs to be in course. That means it, it, not everybody at the same time. One person, a second person third person, and no more than three. No more than three people in any church service should give, uh, give, give that particular message in a, in a different tongue. And if there's no interpreter, don't speak it. If there's not someone that can translate what you're saying, then it's not God's time for you to open your mouth and say it. And the fourth one, if you're a lady, don't do it in church. That would destroy a lot of challenging uh, things going on in many charismatic churches if, if you just obeyed those four rules right there. One after the other, um, no more than three, and uh, there had to be an interpreter present, and uh, ladies were not asked, they were asked not to do it in the church service. There were ladies who prophesied or who gave, gave, wit gave witness, and of course we know that even Philip, the evangelist, had four daughters who prophesied, and I think many times that just put, they put forth God's word. They went out and gave God's word to people. And that was done in both, uh, both genders. But in the church service, a lady was not supposed to speak in tongues in the church, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So these are a few, these are a few things that, that we share here. But I, I'm basically a little, a little bit of a longer trail to talk to you about the Jesus being the foundation, the apostles next, and the prophets. Today, we have three offices that build us up. And that is uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
The Office of Evangelism is oftentimes debated somewhat in our day and time. I've asked Brother Caleb Ambrose to speak next week, and he believes that God has called him specifically to that, and he's been taking time to meet with Brother Scott Pauley and other evangelists that I've shared with him, and I feel like he's going to He's launching out into a new work with he and Abby. I'm looking forward to hearing about that next week, and I want you to be prayerful about that. I do believe that one thing that a church needs, it needs people who have a gift of evangelism, and uh, I think it's going to be a good thing for our church and good thing uh, for him as well. Okay, we're looking at chapter 4 once again, Ephesians chapter 4. He said that, that God gave us leaders so that we would be perfected or matured, so we would serve, and so we'd edify the entire body of Christ. Verse number 13 of chapter 4, till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He said, I want you to, to come into a, to a maturity, perfect man, a mature person, and so you'll measure up with like Jesus, just like um, the song we heard just to hide me behind the cross so that I can be concealed, but you can be revealed to the world. That's kind of what, that's kind of what, what he said. I want you to be, God's goal for us in this life is to act, to think, to speak, to care, to love like Jesus would. We're supposed to be little Christ. And a lot of times we're just big us, right? We're just, we're just, I'm just, I'm just um, John Wilkerson on steroids instead of being the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when people look at me, they need to see the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to say, you know what, that guy, that girl, whenever he looks at you ladies, I'll say, you know what, she reminds me of Jesus. The other day we had a funeral for Miss Petey Herzl, and somebody stood up and said, um, he said, you know, I think Petey was to me a female version of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful testimony. That's what he said. Whenever we get mature, we should become like the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then in verse, uh, this is what will be avoid if we are like that. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men or the, the deceitfulness and the cunning craftiness whereby they wait and deceive. There's always somebody, uh, there's false teachers in every generation and every season. And we have them, they're oftentimes on blogs, and they're on television, and they're on uh, different uh, videos, and oftentimes people find themselves, they're looking, they're looking for help, they're looking for searching, they look oftentimes outside the local church, sometimes because the church doesn't have the answers, or we're not showing people what to do, but sometimes because people just are drawing for straws, and they find themselves into the crafty slights of men who, who really cause issues and more complications in, in life. And he said, but then verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him to all things, which is the head, even Christ. With that in mind, I'm going to now transfer a little bit just to do a little review. I want you to read these three verses with me, if you would, please. These are verses that are on the screen. Follow along, if you would, please. And we'll read the first one. I think the first one is the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 47. And once again, this is the early church. Read it with me, if you would, please, everyone. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. Once again, this verse just reminds us, this is right after Pentecost, after several weeks have gone by, after uh, many people have gotten saved and the apostles have settled into teaching what Jesus said. He said the people had favor. Matter of fact, uh, people may not respect, they may not understand us, they may not understand our walk with Christ, but you and I ought to make sure that our attitude, our actions, 
Our behavior is very fitting that we would have favor with God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies. As much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And your sermons whisper, but your life shouts. And if people don't trust you, they will not trust what you try to tell them, especially in the scriptures. And I was listening to Brother David Gibbs one time preach, and he told about one day he was got so frustrated. He was in a, in a, in a plane. It was really small, and he couldn't get into the seat. And, and uh, you know, and he complained about it. And the, the Delta flight attendant said, well, you could lose some weight, you know. And... That didn't, that didn't bode well with him. He didn't appreciate that. He said, you could get prettier, you know. And uh, then back the phone. said, you know, and he, he gave her all kinds of things. And people were like, hey, man, that's a good one. I'll write that down. Say that again. That was cute, you know. And, but it hurt her feelings real bad. And then he, after all that, he, he kind of felt good because he got her good. And everybody kind of, yay, good one. That's a great, she's a snot, you know, and all this other stuff. Then he gets up and he puts his... Um, puts his coat in the, uh, in, the, in the overhead bin, and gospel tracts fall out. And the Lord said, hey, now you ready to give one to her? He's like, oh, man. And he went to the girl and said, look, I've, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I've embarrassed you. I've spoken unkindly to you. And she says, I've worked for Delta for 21 years. I don't know when I've been apologized to by a, by a, a rude uh, passenger. He said, well, I'm, I need to be the first. And I've sinned against you, and, and I've sinned against God, and my heart's convicted, and I apologize. And then he was able to give the gospel tract to her. I don't know that she got saved, but certainly he, he found face-to-face with that realization. I've done that before. You probably have done that before, where you just kind of got rude or hasty with somebody, and then now the Lord's telling you to witness them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I've just made a mess of everything here, and now I'm supposed to do that. But having favor, next verse, if we can, please. And this is kind of Apostle Paul speaking to pastors. Read it with me, if you would. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Once again, if God gave his blood for the church, do you think you and I ought to make it a priority in our lives? And I think that's just a no-brainer. He gave his blood for the church. We ought to go to church. We ought to be faithful to it. We ought to love it. We ought to build our life around it. Then the last one, the Apostle Paul's talking to Timothy, and he tells him this, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of a living God. And, of course, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. It's, it's, it's a rock bed for truth. With that in mind, let me just remind you, there are five things, I think, that, that, that are great reasons for us to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to the house of God. Number one is identification. You want to do it because you want to identify, first of all, with Christ, because the church is the Lord. It's not mine, it's not yours. And when you get involved in the local church, you're teaming up with the Lord Jesus, the Lord of the church. Number two, you're teaming up with his body, the local church. And uh, he's the head of the body, we know that. And then you and I are the, the, the extensions of him. You may be the fingernail. The other day, I got a, I got a quick in my, in my pinky right here. Just a, I don't know, just stuck out, and I thought, oh, I'm going to bite that off. And then, boy, that hurt me, and that, it caused infection, and I was miserable. And it's a small part of my body, but, man, it was aggravating me. It's a very small part of this 202-many-pound body. But, but that little quick, but, man, did it affect me. It drove me crazy. How many of you ever had an ingrown toenail or something like that or, or a, a sty in your eye? It's so small. But boy, you can like, ah, you're looking at me, aren't you? No, I'm not looking at you. How can I not look at you? You got a big old red spot in your eye, you know? And I was talking to a guy the other day. I said, Mitch, what's wrong with your eye? He goes, oh, I got, uh, got some kind of a, 
uh, allergy or something. But it may be a small thing, but our, all of us have a place. You might be the eyelid, you might be the mouth, you might be the ear, you might be the nose, you might be the tongue, you might be the feet, you might be the hands. All of us have responsibility. You might even be those that are covered up by skin. So many of our church family members are covered up by skin. We don't even know your name, and whenever it is that your name is called, most people don't know you. We call Brother Roy, people know Brother Roy because he sits here and he visits so many of our hurting people. Some other folks in this room, you're not known, but you are covered up by skin and you're vital to the work of God. You're the lungs, you're the liver, you are the, you're the heart, you're the, you're the thing that keeps everything else going uh, behind the scenes because of your faith and your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we see it's identification. Number two, it's a place of instruction. It's a place where we're instructed from God's word and from God's instruments and his teachers and preachers. It's a, when you come to church, when you're part of a church, you're saying, I'm identifying with Christ and I'm willing to be instructed for Christ. Uh, in just a few days, we'll go to the marriage retreat, six sessions on marriage. And what we're doing, we go there, we're, we're submitting ourselves to be instructed on how to be a better husband, father, wife, mom, grandparent. Christian, we're going to be, we're subjecting ourselves to instruction. When you come tonight, you are here and saying, Pastor, and folks have prayed in before the service. Lord, please speak to Pastor and help him to be able to share the word of God so that we can learn. You're subjecting yourself. Some of you, even tonight, maybe learned something about the tongues or about prophecies or about the foundational part of the scriptures. Well, it's, we're subjecting ourselves to what the Bible tells us to do. And uh, that's a place of instruction. Number three, it's a place of involvement. It's a place where I get involved. I get involved in fellowship, and that means really work with another. I get to know somebody else in the body of Christ. And God made us sheep, and sheep do not do well by themselves. They need to be with other people, and I need you, and you need them. Uh, someone raise your hand and tell me someone who helped you in your early stages uh, of your Christian life, and they became that other person that helped you together in that area. Paul, who comes to your mind? Brother Joe Culp, and I remember Joe uh, very much. Who else comes to your mind? Yes, sir, Brother John. Okay, Paul and Ken, two men in his church that helped him in the early stages. Who, who else came to your mind? Yes, ma'am, Miss Jean. Rose O'Brien, one of our former uh, staff members and faithful ladies who helped start the Spanish ministry, who stepped in and helped. Who else comes to your mind? Yes, sir, Don. Okay. And that's in Maryland or where? In Virginia, and uh, he's, he's mentioning someone. Brother Mike? Okay, Brother Carl Laurent helped him in his, in his early days. Do you wear blue jeans now? Man, don't even say that. If you, if you, if you wear blue jeans, I'm just joking. Brother Carl Laurent did not like blue jeans. I remember that. I, I don't remember anything else he said, but I got that one loud and clear. Every time I put on blue jeans, I feel bad for him. But he never had the chance to wear those things. I think that's great. Nonetheless, we find... a. We find that God gives us people within our lives to help us and love us and to strengthen us. Fellowship, we get involved in fellowship. We get involved in fellowship with worship, and that's singing. That's praising the Lord together, like we did with tonight when you heard Miss Belinda's testimony about her grandfather getting saved. Uh, whenever she said, she's, I'm getting emotional, but we we're all getting emotional with her. It was like, and then after she got done, we're all clapping. And we're not clapping for her, we're clapping for him. We're worshiping the Lord together. We're praising the Lord together, singing together, doing the Lord's Supper together. In prayers, 
And we prayed for her, and we prayed for other people. We're praying for this dear brother who's been kidnapped, that's serving the Lord in Haiti. And tonight, most all of us will go to bed. We'll think about him. We'll think about his wife going out tomorrow with his daughter and his mother who's with him and praying that God will, will give him safety there and help and get out of that situation. It's a time we can pray together about things. And of course, for Brother Shut tomorrow is going to be going undergoing major surgery on his uh, cancer that's on both sides of his throat, mushes, pushes his voice box back, and they're going to be able to take that out. It uh, looks like to me is that there's a good prognosis there, but they're going to take all that, that together. We want to join them in prayers. We get involved in prayers. We get involved in service together, doing things together. Oh, a bus route's always blessed by bus workers. A Sunday school teacher always helped by other people that are helping them. And it's not just a solo maverick idea. The next thing real quickly, and then we'll, con we'll get these two things, inspiration. Church is a place where we're inspired. And here's four thoughts real quickly. We're inspired for maturity. Read it with me. Maturity, service, exhorting, and edifying. When you get involved with a good local church, it's going to give you the proverbial kick in the pants to do something. If you can go to a church and it doesn't push you, provoke you to do something, you're probably in the wrong church. A church is made, and God wants his church, and he wants one another. And it's talking about, I'm saying I say church, it's not the organization as much as it is the people. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and to good works. One of the things that I need from you, you need from me, we need from each other, is each of us need to provoke each other to love God and others more and do more for God and others. It's very important that we have that. I have a friend in, in the building tonight that, the, oh, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I said something negative and critical of another brother. And I shouldn't have. I, should, I, I mean, I was convicted when I said it, but I, but I wasn't so convicted, I retracted it. So this, my brother said to me, he said, you know, I, just, I think if we looked at it from God's perspective, Pastor, I think we ought to just praise God for what God's using him to do, and, and probably we got enough things to take care of ourselves. You know what that guy did? He stabbed me in the front. <laughs> That's what he did. He cared enough about me to help me do the right thing at that moment. And by God's grace, I said, you know what? You're exactly right. I should have kept my mouth shut and my opinions to myself and shouldn't probably even have that opinion. I got more junk to deal with in my own backyard to start throwing mud at somebody else. I'm just losing ground. And boy, you know, my friend helped me, provoke me to love God enough to do the right thing and to love others. And I thank God for people that will stab you in the front and sometimes just tell it to you, hey, I think we probably ought to, ought to move on from that. Let's don't, let's don't talk like that. Boy, you may say, oh, that offends me. Well, if it offends you, it's because you're in the flesh and you're wrong. But we need people to provoke us to love and good works, mature, to serve the Lord. You know, most people who are faithfully serving the Lord today are doing that because someone provoked them to do it sometime back. It was, you know, I think about uh, teachers. Miss Belinda Petropoulos has just written a new book, and we're going to make it available to our church. But I'm so grateful because Belinda has inspired many other people to teach, to get in roles of influence there. And I think it's a blessing. People who are in the bus ministry provoke others to get in the bus ministry. People who teach Sunday school classes I think every Sunday school teacher ought to be thinking, Lord, help me to produce a Sunday school teacher out of my class. Help me to teach someone that one day they can help me in my class, start another class. Uh, these are things we ought to do, provoke each other, exhort and edify other people, and then reach out, soul winning. 
I know for sure that if I ever lead anyone to Christ, it's, it's in part because someone provoked me to do it. And I was inspired by other people. I've also been inspired to do things because of a bad example. If you've ever been to some churches in the world, occasionally I've been to some, some what they call business meetings that were not very uh, spiritually conducted. People got mad. People stood up. People said some things. And I remember as a, as a young person watching that a few times, and I thought to myself, boy, I, I hope no one's unsaved in this room. And if I ever get big, I don't want to do this. I remember one time I was, a, I was in sixth grade. I had a wonderful Sunday school teacher. I loved him. I loved hearing his lessons. But one night we, we drove into the church early, and we looked back, and besides the little soccer field there and a the pickup truck, he and his, his girlfriend, or maybe his fiance, I don't know, but they were just kissing, making out, as though they were already married. And my dad pulled in, my dad pulled in there, and I don't know if my other family saw it, but I saw it. And I saw my Sunday school teacher doing things that really, in my mind, and 